Welcome to the uh, Steve Mathis Classics Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Fly Racing and uh, Racer X also on board. And uh, folks at Alpine Star Protects are also on board now, although I don't know if they were on board with this podcast. I can probably assure you they were not. But uh, something struck me looking at my stats recently. Um, not a lot of uh, people, generally speaking, listen to the older pod- the older motocross guy podcasts that I do. Uh, if I have a, a modern rider, they will often be more popular than uh, the old guys, uh, which really breaks my heart as everybody who knows me, knows I love talking about the old motocross days with guys like Johnny O and, uh, and, and Wardy and these dudes and these dudes. Um, but Chad Reed moves the needle and, and James Stewart's are great. And, and, and these guys, even some of the guys from the nineties, well, McGrath obviously, uh, moves the needle, but generally speaking, the old further back you get, the less listens that, uh, you guys download. But, um, the race reviews are really popular, by the way. They are by far the, the biggest shows we have on Steve Mathis uh, archives and uh, and also, so just FYI on that. But anyways, back to the story. Looking at the numbers for the recent Bob Hanna, Donnie Hansen pod I did uh, two, three weeks ago, and they were really good. You guys really liked it. And uh, social comments were good and, and emails uh, were good and texts and things like that about that show uh, were pretty good. So... Maybe you guys are coming around, or maybe, just maybe, it's Bob Hanna. It's Bob Hurricane Hanna that you guys like. I don't know. Uh, could be a little bit of everything. So looking at those numbers made me go back and grab the first show I did with Hurricane. Uh, I don't know when this is from, but uh, it's pretty old. I can tell you that. It's probably from 2009, 2010, something like that. And I've done a few of them with Bob, and it was a little bit of a convincing because at some point I had cracked a joke about Bob in a column or something, and it got back to him, and he wasn't pleased, and his wife wasn't pleased, I guess. I don't remember what it was. It wasn't anything really bad, but I think I was saying, like, oh, the, the old guy's complaining about the new guys or something, you know, is old or old news, or I don't remember. It wasn't that bad. But anyways, Bob wasn't really having it, but I think Eddie Cole at Answer and a few people around him uh, told him that I was a good guy and that I've done some good podcasts, and, and so he relented. And uh, I, I apologize also for whatever I said. I don't, again, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I apologized uh, if it, it got him upset, and we moved on, and, and then he always cracks jokes about rollerball and because he knows he's my hero. And uh, Bob is really, really good on all these podcasts. That Hanson, Hannah one, I think, was the fourth one we've done. And uh, so he's really entertaining. He's really good. He's, he's a legend. Calls it like it is. And uh, I enjoy talking to him every single time. So that Hannah Hansen one was pretty big for, for download. So I went back in the classics and grabbed the first one I did, which details his career a little bit more than uh, the Hannah Hansen one we did. You know, talks about Yamaha breaking his leg and going to Honda and going to Suzuki and everything else. And, uh, yeah, really, really good stuff and entertaining guy. And so when people say, why don't you do more with Bob Hanna, I point out that I've done four. And now, here's the first one, remixed and remastered for you people. So please, uh, in the off-season, sit back, enjoy some classic Bob Hanna, and uh, thanks for the downloads. Appreciate it.
Mathis Show disclaimer. During this episode of the Steve Mathis Show, there is a high chanceability. You will either learn something. A lot of people don't know. You are thinking. Duh. Or make you say to yourself. Dude, that's so funny. The bottom line is. This podcast serves as archival. Documentation. Of this interview. Welcome to the BTOsports.com podcast show. Brought to you by RacerX. Hosted by Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Mathis. With me on the line is, is a true motorcycle legend. I'm pleased and proud to present to you guys, uh, Bob Hurricane Hannah. Hannah, what's going on, man? Oh, uh, nothing much, Steve. Just actually uh, working today and uh, hard at it. Yeah. Taking care of details because I've been slumming down in California <laughs> a couple of weeks riding bicycles with my buddies, and now I'm back to work for my partner doesn't kill me. Yeah, really, huh? Um, yeah, thank you for doing this show. I know uh, i got to thank David Iser at DMXS. He, uh, he we really, don't have to thank him. <laughs> he really put the word in for me. <laughs> so um, um, I'm, I'm honored to, uh, to interview you for sure, something uh, I've always wanted to do. What is Hannah up to nowadays? What does Bob Hannah do for, uh, uh, for now? Uh, I uh, buy, sell airplanes mm-hmm. uh, for a living, and uh, got a partner. Got a couple, three partners actually, but uh, one in the new business, and uh, we've got three dealerships, and and uh, then we buy and sell most anything. And I sit in an office a lot of the time, uh, usually in the mornings and uh, late evenings. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, I'm usually gone out running around from oh one o'clock to. To four, probably eating lunch and then doing run run around, and I'm back in the office for two or three hours at mm-hmm. night, and uh, don't do much but uh, work, fly, stay current on the flying for the weather yeah. and all that, and uh, demo planes, ride bicycles, and stay home. I don't I don't do a lot, <laughs> don't go a lot of places. I, most of the time, if I'm going somewhere, I want to ride the bike there, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I I did one of these with John Gregory a little while ago, and he kind of filled me in a little bit, and he said the same thing. He's like. Hannah really likes it up here. He doesn't want to leave. <laughs> no, no. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's interesting. So, how much do you follow the sport now? How much are you onto it? How much are you into it? I know you were just in L.A., but uh, oh, uh, I go once in a while, but yeah. I'm I'm not up on it. I, I'm not a good authority on anything anymore. <laughs> Come on. Um, uh, you were in L.A. though. So, oh yeah. What uh, What do you think about it? Oh, it was a good race. Yeah, it was, huh? It was a good race. Traffic jam getting out of there. Other than that, it was all right. Yeah, yeah really, huh? It's no, a real good race. Uh, a really good ride. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You, you caught a good one for sure. And let's not let's throw in the fact that you're helping out your buddy Eddie Cole at Matrix Concepts. So, well, that's why I was down there yeah. because of Eddie and his boys. I do. Uh, it's about the only motocross stuff I do anymore is for mm-hmm. Eddie Cole. Obviously, I've known him for thirty years. And, yeah. And uh, helped him with Answer Products and Six Six One, and now his boys have Matrix and. He's passed me off to them, so yeah. now they're working my ass. <laughs> Full circle, huh? You're like, oh man. Yeah, we gotta go. I gotta go back to uh, Indy yep. here, and then uh, I'll go to the Seattle Supercross. I don't know what else he's gonna have me do. Right, right. But uh, we'll be at Seattle Supercross, so that'll be neat. What? Uh, what it's a good place. Yeah, it is. It's cool. Uh, and uh, what about your friendship with Eddie? How? how uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, you can look through the magazines, and when you didn't have HRP. You were still. You were even when you had HRP. You're doing answer ads. You know. Oh, yeah. Um. 
So obviously a deep, deep friendship. How'd you meet him? And and, and you guys are still buddies. I met him at local races in uh, in 1974 and five, and he was riding against me, and I met him, and then uh, we became friends. And when I went down in. Uh, I think it was 76 or 77. He came down and spent a month with me in uh, Florida training down there because he was just about out of it then. Right. And uh, he stayed in my room down there and uh, hung out with me and rode with me and practiced with me. And uh, that was about his last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I've been friends with him every, ever, forever. Yeah. You know, there's nobody better than that cat. Yeah, he's he's a good dude. Uh, I don't nobody know, I better, don't know yeah. him that well, but, man, really, really nice guy. Uh, every time they I talk to him. They don't come better. And it's funny because I, I don't, I don't know him that I haven't met him that much, but every time I see him, he's like, "Hey, Steve, remembers my name, remembers, remembers my face, or whatever, you know." And, uh, and well, uh, that's pretty good then, because he's got a problem like me and not remembering names. Oh. So if he remembers you, he's doing well. Wow, yeah, that's okay. Well, I feel even yeah. more, even more touched. He and I are always going, "Oh my God, who's this coming up here? I don't know his name." And I go, "I don't know either, Eddie." Right, right. We'll fake it. Yeah, yeah, just just <laughs> run it. Um, so, hey, in LA, did anybody impress you? Any riders to remind you of yourselves at all, or? Anything uh, catch your oh, eye? I don't know. I don't really know if they remind me of anybody, but yep. uh, Stewart was riding good. Villapoto was riding good. I was kind of cheering for Canard. Uh, I like Canard, and yep. uh, and Canard to me looks like he's just right on the bubble there, and I'm hoping he'll uh, break through and, and uh, start winning because right. he really, really seems to be serious and hard charger. Yeah. Yeah, no. I've, uh, I was thinking Dungey would be better, and then he was. I was surprised at him. Right. I don't know any issues though. You know, he, he could have had a tweaked ankle or yeah, you yeah. know, broken yeah. wrist, as far as I know. But I was surprised that he didn't do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and I'm hoping for Kennard to do good. Right, right. Hey, does it ever get tiring to like have these sort of these guys come up to you and it'd be like? Hey Bob, these guys, these, these guys are pussies. All these guys are pussies. They wouldn't be able to hold your chest protector. I mean, does it get? Uh, does it get a little old? Everybody lives in the past, um, you know. Yeah, yeah. So no, no, I don't. I don't care that. Yeah, I've never minded. Uh, for me to go to the race down there, uh, the worst part of the race is the traffic getting in and out. Other than that, I like it. If right. I could be flown in a helicopter right in and right out, it'd be fun. Yeah. Because signing autographs for Eddie right there in the booth, mm-hmm. I see a lot of old guys I haven't seen in a long time, a lot of guys that want to see me and have never seen me, right. guys that went to the 1976 Hangtown uh, National that have a, 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 a program they want signed. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. neat crap like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Been, they had that program for... Well, how long? Yeah. 40 years? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 35 30, years. 35 yeah. years, 30 years. And you're talking about the one where you battled, or where you came out, really made your name at Plymouth or wherever, right? Yeah, 35 yeah. years ago, yeah. 1976 there, you know? All right. And um, the guy's got the program, said I was there, and I've been wanting to sign this ever since, and he just barely got it. <laughs> I mean, uh, he may not see me anymore. Yeah, yeah. I just, every time I see an interview with you, somebody's asking you to talk about today's riders, and I think to myself, I wonder if Hurricane ever gets tired, like, like I don't want to talk about the old, you know. No, it's just uh, I just wonder about that because it's a no-win situation. Anyway. Right, exactly, exactly. And I what mean, I, you know, what I think and, and what doesn't really matter anyway. You know, some of them are good, some of them are bad. When I rode, some of them were good, some of them were lazy. There you go. When Roger was riding the GP, some of them were good, some of them were lazy. When I look back, you know, I've ridden with a lot of guys, and I can watch guys and tell you how they ride, or and mm-hmm. and you know, very easily because I did it for my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still look at guys 
and including myself, and you put any of them on the same bike in 1975 in a world championship for 45 minutes in Belgium, and Roger DeCosta will still whip your ass. Right, right, yeah. And that goes from me or or James Stewart. I bet my money on Roger. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they can argue that all day long, but right. yeah. I, know, I know in my heart uh, – who the tough guys were, and those guys were unbelievable. You know, Michelin and Roger and mm-hmm. and guys like that. You know, arguing me or, you know, if I could beat Johnson on his best day or Johnson could beat Ricky Carmichael on his best right. day. So right. That's anybody's argument. Well, we know rollerball would beat them all. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, like to hear that. Like to hear that. Uh, rollerball would have beat them all. Yeah, yeah. And if not, he would have rammed them. Yeah, yeah, no, he was he was known for that also. Uh, He's a uh, counterpart to our Jim Hawley in the United States. Yeah, yeah, no coincidence that those two are buddies too. They probably yeah, and get those two guys on the same track and have some fun watching them. Yeah, yeah. I don't like to be in the middle of that though. I've been there with what? both those guys before. I would think you'd be in front of them, so you may not have uh, dealt had to deal with them. But you need to you need to be in front or back. You don't want to really be in the mix of those two cats. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, hey, the the stories about you are legendary and. You know, a good friend of mine is Rich Taylor, who who you know, and and you know, oh, yeah. look his dad, and he's told me some things. So let's uh, let's get to the stories here, and let's get a little bit about your career. Um, Nineteen seventy six, obviously, you come out uh, blazing. Now the stories are that you you know you rode a few nationals in seventy five, but you didn't set the world on fire. What Road happened? Road two. What happened in the fall of seventy five and the and early seventy six to make you so much better and take that jump up? What was the the turning point, do you think? Was it just practice? or? Uh, I think practice, but uh, I don't know that I changed that much, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I certainly even got more serious because the, I got on my first national, I got fifth or sixth in Texas. Mm-hmm. I got sick and went to New Orleans, spent a week in a hotel in a bed, uh-huh. got up the morning of the race and raced, and basically – in the end of the first moto, uh, after the moto was over, when I sat down, passed out, swallowed my tongue, and went to the hospital. You know, I had yeah. heat prostration. So right. it wasn't a good day, but I was just dead, you know, mm-hmm. even getting on the bike. And so uh, that kind of gave me an outlook that, you know what, I told Weinert on the plane home, and Weinert remembers, I said, that will never, ever happen to me again. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went to training very hard to work out of that because even after you have that heat frustration that bad, mm-hmm. it it's with you for a few years. Right. It, it it's hard to get out of that because I could see it coming back on even even the following summer. I could see it coming back on and, and I knew the uh, symptoms in and I'd back out of it a little bit, start breathing and get yeah. get away from it because you can if you don't know what you're looking for, you can do it again. Mm-hmm. But. I was with good guys, uh, Yamaha factory and good bikes, and I was serious about beating those guys. So, you know, I I started out uh, doing a little better, but I was nothing to light the world on fire in 76. You know, obviously I beat Smith. Yeah. On a 125, I could do it. I could ride well, but there were guys in the 250 class. If you put everybody in there right. uh, in qualification, I would be like 10th. Oh, really? You know, Weiner, Tripes, uh, Stackable, Lackey, you know, lots of guys. Uh, Marty Smith, lots of guys were faster than me. Palmeroy, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, lots of guys were faster. In 76, I only won, uh, even in 77, 
uh, lots of guys were faster than me uh, outdoors. You know, there were guys faster than me, but they they just didn't. They weren't there at the end of 45. And in those days, when they're 45 minute motos, right. that's a big deal. People don't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know for sure. So you're 30 and 45 are light years apart. <laughs> yeah, and no, no uh, doubt. If you've never been to both of them. You don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, you go 45 minutes with Roger in the old days, you did something. Yeah, no, those 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 Trans Am or Trans AMA races are, uh, they're, they're just epic, obviously, before my time. But, I mean, uh, it was war, right? When they went to 30-minute races in the States, I hated it. Yeah. Because they just took my advantage and threw it in the trash. Uh-huh. You know, and I so, knew it. I said, "Oh, this is this is tortured now. Now we're going to have to bump up the pace." Yeah. Uh, and I use the training so I don't have to bump up the pace. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, what would you do for practice to do practice? I mean, your tank probably went empty after forty-five, right? Basically, it's out. You yeah. Know? So you just uh, rode those, all all the days. I always did lots, uh, same stuff. I ran every day. I rode a bicycle every day that I could have one. Okay, I ran every day wherever I was. I don't care if I was downtown New York or Atlanta. I ran the free. Way, okay. Yeah. I rode the bike a couple forty-five minute motos, warmed up, couple forty-five minute motos. Uh, rode the bike, rode the bicycle, ran, and some light weights when I was home. I never went to a gym on the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's how, and that's what I did. And you did that, you did that every day in the off, like you know, training at home. I did it all all year long. Only days I only if I traveled did I not train on something. Wow. Yeah. So. Do you think your big advantage over than over Marty was the was the fitness? Because I mean, Marty Absolutely. was a man, yeah. Absolutely, uh, over anybody was, especially for seventy six, seventy seven. Now in seventy eight, I was riding faster, and also I was in good shape, so things started happening. But uh, absolutely, the first couple of years, the only thing I had going for me was I could ride as fast or faster at the end of 45 if I wanted to mm-hmm. than I did the first lap. Probably faster because it took me a little while to get going, and which isn't something to brag on. It was a, it was a detrimental to my riding, uh, you know, having to warm up. Right. Uh, you know? um, and I'm still like that on a bicycle today. I like... I like 15, 30 minutes of warm-up before we start hammering it. You know, I really like that. And if I'm going to start hammering it off the start, I have to warm up for 30 minutes before I get there. <laughs> yeah, no matter what happens, it's 30 minutes, whether you do it before or after or during. Right, Yeah. right. It doesn't seem to matter. No, I go down and ride with the guys that specialize, and they hammer it, they hammer it off pretty fast. And, and I fly in there, and I'll ride up to specialize. I'll go ride some because if I don't ride some in about they'll, – they'll run out about – six or eight minutes through town and then they start putting the hammer down and if you're mm-hmm. cold like i don't like that you know you know that they talk about um uh you know lance armstrong being genetically uh able to produce more oxygen lungs are bigger do you think that's the case with you and you were able to go so long i mean do you think i don't know you know <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't think that's lance armstrong's advantage i think it's some Good drugs that make Lance Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's, really that's a whole other story for sure. Uh, um, but you know what I mean? Like maybe you're just. I'm just, sure he trained as hard as anybody, but I'm sure he has some advantages too. Because I saw you in LA, and I mean, you're still in great shape. You know what I mean? Like you look like you could ride a moto tomorrow. Well, I ride a bicycle every day now. You yeah, know? yeah, no, exactly. I, just, I, I lift weights three days a week, and I ride a bicycle four or five days a week. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we go uh, even when I was in California, you know, you know, fifty something miles a day, five thousand feet of climbing, and and uh, that's what I like to do every day if I can. Like today, I couldn't be out there, so I was on the trainer in the in the gym at my house here in the hangar. I have a gym, and and I've got 
everything I need in there, and I've got a really good training bicycle, so I ride that. Right. I'll ride that when I'm here in the winter, you know, six days a week. Right, right, yeah. No, you're I can't ride outdoors. Like, today was too cold and I was too busy, so I was on it an hour in there, you know. How much do you moto? Very little. Very little, yeah. I'm a test dummy for Eddie Cole stuff, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. You, what do you have for a bike? Does McCarty get you a, a Yamaha? Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. got a couple of Yamahas, and I've got uh, some in the, one in the desert, one in uh, uh, Idaho, one in uh, Auburn, California, or Sacramento, Placerville, California. So I got them stuffed everywhere. We also have Harleys. Hicks and I have a Harley down in Sacramento in the winter, and then we bring them back up here in the summer. We ride them back in June. We ride them back down there in October, and then we... We fly in down there and ride them in the spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, uh, McCarty would leave. Uh, he would be gone for a week or two riding Harleys with you somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I ride them about, I don't ride those a lot either, about 30 days a year probably. You have 450s or two-strokes? Oh, no, four-strokes. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe you're a two-stroke guy. Maybe you haven't let go. Oh, I like them. Yeah. But just nobody rides them anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's amazing. It must be amazing to you to think about four-strokes coming back the way they are, right? Because back in the day, I mean, when Elsinore came out, I mean, it was so good. Right. and. And uh, and you must be just like wow! Look at this. Everybody loves four strokes now. <laughs> I don't know if it's the right way, but that's right. the way it's going. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more expensive for everybody. Nobody can work on them. They're a lot harder to work on them for a layman. And uh, even I can do a top end on a two stroke, and those four strokes I wouldn't touch. You know. Right, right, right. Um, so I don't know if it's a good thing, but I guess the factories determine that so mm-hmm. is your uh is your body all right after all these years as far as when you moto or when you ride a dirt bike does it is it fine uh, no i don't like riding the dirt bikes uh even a mountain bike bothers me a little bit yeah. but uh both wrists are sore right knees kind of crappy both <laughs> ankles are junk the riding the road bikes the road bicycles are what i really like to do because they don't bother me nothing everything's fine well, a mountain works. bike doesn't bother me much yeah. but even a mountain bike will make my wrist sore really huh and then the motoring forget it you're 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 sore junk yeah yeah. <laughs> Damn. I wouldn't ride a super cross track to save you know save your yeah, ass. That's uh it's a hard price to pay, but I guess uh you know you you got. I'm pretty the- lucky, really. Yeah, yeah. Because right now sitting here, I'm I'm kind of kicked back in a chair with my feet up. I have zero pain. Right. And you know, so, and when I wake up, uh, I don't even like hiking. I, I do some hiking, but I don't like hiking. I like running, and I had to quit running, mm-hmm. so that's why I'm on bicycles. But I cannot run anymore because my ankles. And uh, my right knee are junk. I limp like a dog. Really? And I finally just had to give it up. And I missed it for a long time. Mm-hmm. But now uh, I've just gone more into the biking and bicycles, you know. Yeah. I always have ridden bicycles since I was a kid. I raced them when I was a kid. But now I love them more than ever. Right. I mean, I actually, that's all I think about is riding my bicycle. When I'm at work, I just uh, can't wait to get the hell done where I can ride my bike. <laughs> wow. Wow, yeah, you are into it. Well, I'll see no, you. no, I'm, I'm really, I love them. I'll see you I in the Alps, them. I guess. I love them because I can't, uh, you know, I don't do anything else anymore. So. Right, right. I, I used to love running more. I rode to bicycles, but I actually liked ride, uh, running more, but not anymore. No way. Mm-hmm. Uh, My days of running are over, and uh, the bicycles are, shoot, I'd ride at least six days a week if I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I was uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a student and fan of the sport, and I've, I've read all the magazines. And near the end of your career, you were pretty vocal against the way the tracks were going. And then I heard that Bailey's injury really affected you. Uh, is that true? Affected all of us. Yeah, yeah. Everybody. Anybody in the top guys, you know, he is uh, as smooth and calculated as anybody could be out there. And if he could get hurt, anybody can, you know. And it really bothered everybody, especially yeah. guys that knew him well. 
Right, right. So, so and, and even guys that hung around him more. I mean, I hung around with him a lot, but a guy like Johnny O was daily, you know. Yeah. Yep. Hang, hung around with him daily for years. So, and even Johnny would say the same thing. You know, we always rode a little wilder than David, and when he gets hurt, or Tony D. I mean, it's just yep. crazy. It's all luck, is all it is. Right, right. Yeah, because I mean, that's think of, all luck. Think of the times that you've probably ate shit right hard. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> many, many of us. Anybody ever rode one and say walk out of it are lucky. Right, right. Um, that's why I say I'm lucky. <laughs> On certain days, I thought I was tortured when I break my ankle for the third time, or mm-hmm. wrist for the third time, or pelvis, or and I go and I finally decided. I go, you know what? If you walk out, shut the hell up, you know, because you'll heal up. <laughs> if you're walking, shut yeah. the hell up. You right. have nothing to cry about because you're asking and begging for it in this sport. And uh, if shit happens, shit's going to happen. Right. Yeah. And you better know that. And if you're very unlucky, well, it's going to be worse. Uh, yeah. You know, but it's all luck. That's bullshit. There's no talent in not getting hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. One stupid little crash. It doesn't need to be a big one. Um. Hey, uh, you know, it's nice to see that McCarty gives you bikes because uh, when I was doing some research for uh, for this podcast, I was flipping through some, uh, you know, early early magazines, and boy, you really didn't like Yamaha back then. <laughs> it's good to see they don't hold a 20-year grudge. Only in, uh, oh, shoot, I was back working with them in, like, 95. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Uh, yeah. Only only because of, really, Japanese management. It really was no more than that. that right. The bikes were going to shit. They didn't believe us. They thought the riders were bad, and Glover and I were riding there, and we were in shape at the time. The bikes were shit, and mm-hmm. they needed to know it. Me leaving was the best thing that ever happened to Yamaha. Yeah. How bad did it get? Like, I mean, obviously, there's a there's one race where you, did you not show up, right? You you just parked it, 125 class? Yeah, the last national. Yeah, and, I mean, you were just, the bike. I won the week before, and I said, I'm not even going. <laughs> <laughs> it was no, that bad. They lied huh? to me on that one. They said okay. they lied to McCarty and I. They said they would do anything we asked to that bike. Mm-hmm. That bike would hardly make it 45 minutes without seizing. And we we seized it many many days during the week trying to get it to run 45 minutes. We had to run the oil ratio like 20 to one to get the bitch to last. You know, and it wouldn't <laughs> yeah. make horsepower then. Uh, I can just imagine back in the day how, how big of a scandal this was or how big of an issue this was. You know what I mean? I mean, here we are, the all-time winningest rider. And, he's... and that's not even that bike. Uh-huh. Uh, that bike, they told me the reason to ride that. I go, why do you want me to ride a 125 when I haven't done it in so long? And uh, they said, well, because we got a 10,000 of them in the warehouse, and if you ride them, we'll sell them. Uh-huh. And I go, if that's fine, you, you pay me an extra hundred grand, I'll ride them. And that's what happened. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And I said, well, so I'm going to have to bite the bullet for a year because I'm going to look like an idiot. But mm-hmm. someday I'll say that money's good. And uh, that's exactly how it worked out, you know. Wow. Um, hey, when you were water skiing and uh, you broke your leg, you are pretty much at the top of the game. I mean, you'd won six titles, I think. Um, and, and you were just at the very pinnacle, just like where, you know, James Stewart was or, or RJ or any of those guys. How bad was that break? I mean, the stories are, you know, that you had almost got amputated, this and that, but, I mean, truly, was it that bad? It, I don't think it would have been really close to amputation when I did it. It was 12 breaks between the knee and the ankle. Wow. Um, double compound, you know, but yep. uh, it later, what happened is it got infected, and then, yeah, they, ah. were, they were thinking of cutting it off one night, and Jeez. I didn't even know. They said, you're not going to know till tomorrow morning if we cut it off. Jeez. Wow. So that, then it got pretty serious. When they tell you that to your face, you kind of go, uh-oh. Yeah. 
How I remember dev- waking up and looking down and going, all right, it's still on. Yeah. How devastating was that for you? I mean, did you just think your career was over? No, or, I no? think when you're that young, I don't think it bothers you, really. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was over. I thought it was Certainly going to put a damper on I mean, being off a bike a year is a bad deal. Yeah, yeah. When everybody else is on the bike and training and you're off a year, that's like two. I mean, it's devastating. Yeah, yeah. So when you came back, did you did you have your old speed back or did you lose some? No, uh, no. and nor did I have the bike to, to right. work with either because right. Yamaha, there's, there we go. Yamaha, when I left, quit development. They didn't do shit. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't help Brock either. I mean, Brock was on a tub of shit when he was riding. Yeah, I did want to. Brock be- was a good rider, and he trained hard. I and mean, if he'd have been on a Honda when I left, he should have went to Honda when I did. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He would, didn't have the opportunity anyway. But if he could have went to Honda when I did, he would have been kicking ass longer, too, you know. Said he had a contract in 85 to go there, and he turned him down. Biggest mistake of his life. It is. Big mistake. <laughs> but uh, uh, so when you, when you at eight, end of 82, you're like, hey, Yamaha, I'll see you later. And, uh, well, I had a contract for like, oh, I don't know, two hundred sixty-five grand or something, and they were hurting for money. And I'm in a meeting with some Japanese, and they're giving me shit about being out of shape. They said uh, I'm flaming their bikes. I want them to improve the bike, mm-hmm. you know. And he flat told me, "You and Brock are out of shape. You guys are not up to speed." Really? And how do you tell a Jap behind a desk that yeah. never has done shit yeah. uh, that he's full of crap? All right. I did tell him he's full of crap. You know, I said, your bikes are shit. Yeah. And we're going to get our ass kicked until you do something about it. Right. Uh, I said, but I said, you've got a bad attitude with me right now. It sounds to me like you don't even want me here, and I know you're hurting for money. I go, would you like to rip this contract up that I have right here mm-hmm. and save yourself two hundred sixty-five grand? And he said, yeah. He said, would you do that? And I said, get it out. <laughs> I said, let's rip it up right now. I'll walk out the door. And we did. I ripped it up, and we walked out the door. I said, see ya. Wow. Really? It's really how it went down. That's exactly how. <laughs> McCarty didn't even know. I told him on the way out, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> McCarty's like, wait a minute, I'm not staying here. <laughs> yeah, I told him I'd take him or not take him, but he right. had a good career there. Is why yeah. we had to leave it alone. Uh, was that Kenny Clark or that was a Japanese guy? Japanese guy. Yeah, you didn't get along with Kenny Clark either, did you? Oh, not all Kenny's fault, not all right. my fault. You know, yeah. I, both of us are stubborn and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we got along on some days and some days not. You know, I'm probably as a smart-ass kid and probably deserved everything I got from him, really. But uh, it was a mutual you, deal, uh, you know. Was your first call to Honda, or were you in a bidding war after that? No bidding war. No bidding war. I didn't. I almost didn't have a ride. Uh, I, I, I would have rode for Kawa or somebody. Somebody would have taken me because yeah. I would have rode for free because all I was wanting to do is piss Yam- just, show just Yamaha that Yamaha. I was right. Right. I called Honda, they really, Roger, and he didn't really have any bikes. Ah. And I go, all right. And then I thought about, I had a chance to go to Kawasaki to Europe. I had some stuff, even Suzuki again in Europe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, shoot, it, was, it wasn't, uh, I don't know if it was a month, and Honda called me back, said, Donnie Hansen just got hurt, and he's not going to ride next year. You want his bikes? And I said, done. You know. Wow, so it was that close, huh? You needed Hansen to get hurt. Oh, I wouldn't have rode for Honda. Yeah. They wow. just flat wanted me, but they had no equipment. You know, they only had the equipment ordered already. Yeah, yeah. And so until Donnie got hurt, no, I wouldn't have been riding Honda. I'd have been riding Kawa probably something. Did you uh, Did you take a hit in pay to sign with Honda? Oh, 110 grand or something. Yeah, but bikes That were, didn't matter. I'd have rode it for free. Bikes were phenomenal, I imagine. They, they just, I just said, what do they pay? And they said 175. I go, done. <laughs> I go, next year you're going to pay a lot more. And they said, we know. <laughs> so one-year deal in 83. Yeah. Wow. 
um, hey, um, before we get too much into the Honda years, how much uh, how much real hatred was there between you and Howerton? I mean, now, you know, see, Howerton and I were friends, yep. and I even went and stayed at his house until I got hurt. Yep. Okay. Now you gotta you gotta know the scenario. I'm out a year. He's and the whole out. year I'm out, I'm sure people said to him, I know people said to him, you wouldn't be winning if Hannah was here. Right. And that's a fact. I hate to tell him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I would have been there, he wouldn't have been winning. No right. broken leg, Howerton, you're not winning. Tough shit. That's just the way it is. Uh-huh. Anybody that doesn't think that's a bonehead, that doesn't have a clue what the hell was going on in those years. Well, yeah. Okay, so I'm gone. He's hearing that shit all year. He's on great bikes. He's kicking everybody's ass. He gets a big head. And when I come back, there was some, it just wasn't the same. He was going to prove that he could beat me, and I wanted my spot back. So after that, we never said a word to each other. Wow, really? Just, a few yeah. birds and, uh, and rammed the shit out of each other a couple of days, but that's about it. But he had me by the balls there for a year. Yep. Or two, wow. really. I mean, Suzuki's at the time were really good. Then we had the Yamaha problem. The Yamahas right. were junk. Honda started coming on. In 81, 82, Suzuki was the best bike. Yeah, though they, I was just going to say there. Suzuki really came on. In 80, the year I was gone, Yamaha did squat for Glover. Mm-hmm. Honda really started coming on in 82. Hondas were, Roger was getting those Hondas good. 81, they were good. 82, they were good. 83, they were even better. Yeah. And uh, when 83, I asked Howerton, I go, where the hell are you now? I'm back on a bike, and, I'm in, and I got my leg back. <laughs> you know, where the hell are you? Nice. I don't see you anymore. Right. You know? Did you still race? No, we were, we were nasty. Uh, yeah, so it was after bad. After Saddleback Massacre, yep. uh, it, was it was nasty. Yeah. You know, and that's just the way it goes. That's tough shit. I don't care anymore. I keep it going now for us. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. I say all nasty shit about him, but... Yeah. Uh, that's just because it's fun. I don't really care. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, but I'm sure we'd never be friends again because neither one of us care about each other at all anymore, you know. Yeah, no, it's But Howerton was a good guy in the early days. And once you're Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier, the friendship's gone. Mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali can be a friend of a training fighter with his, you know, somebody sparring with. He can't be friends with Joe Frazier. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is. That's the way it ought to be. Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, Marty Tripe, so, you know, when, at Weiner, when we were riding together, we were friendly. We were enemies on the track, friendly in the pits. But Howerton and I, after uh, I came back, especially after that Saddleback day, uh, that, that day ended it, you know? Yeah. And Howerton started this shit for himself. If he, he could have beat me at Saddleback and would have easily on that bike. But he had to bump me every time he comes by me, and that he's got you. <laughs> and tough. And I'm just not going to take that shit. Yeah, yeah. If he thought I was, he's a fool. You know, mm-hmm. he could play that game with some guys, but he was a fool that to think I was going to take it, and it would get ugly. Hey, everybody! This is Steve Mathis. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for reading everything I do, as well as listening to the other shows. I know it's a lot of crap. One of the reasons I'm able to put out a lot of crap is because people are paying me. And then one of the things that you guys need to do to help support my crap is by buying crap from these sponsors. So listen to the commercial. It's a lot of crap. See ya. 
Thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com podcast show. Please don't forget that BTO is the world leader in aftermarket motocross parts for the bike car body. You'll find deals like a Shoei VFXW helmet for $309.99, 45% off, or Smith Piston goggles for $32.99, 65% off. Your order can be shipped at anywhere in the USA for free. Or if you're not in the USA, we ship worldwide. Check it out at BTOsports.com. Racing since 1970, O'Neill is the original American MX company supplying fine apparel, protection, and accessories for over four decades. O'Neill is proud to support top racers worldwide, including the Moto Concepts Yamaha Racing Team in the U.S. Supercross and Outdoor National Series. In 2010, O'Neill worked with top racing professionals, including Grant Langston, Tim Ferry, and Ricky Dietrich, in developing its all-new 2011 line. O'Neill's hardware line is the toughest money can buy and has been critically acclaimed for durability, fit, form, and function by Motocross Action Magazine. Hardware pants and jerseys are designed to function while putting you ahead of the pack in fast-forward fashion. When it's time to gear up, check out O'Neill.com or an authorized O'Neill dealer near you. Uh, Same thing with, I believe, Stanton and RJ. You know, uh, RJ didn't have a lot to do with Jeff once Je- once Ricky got hurt and Jeff started, yeah. you know, Jeff started saying, Jeff was now the man. I guess there was yeah. a lot of tension there. Same, not yeah, same deal. I don't but, even know about that, but yeah. I'm sure it's right. You know? Right, right. Yeah, same kind of deal, I guess. Uh, and what about Keith Bowen? You got into it with him, too. A lot of my magazines. Yeah, but I never any, I mean, I was I was mad for Bowen for 10 minutes. It really, that got blown out of proportion there. Yeah, Bowen yeah. landed on me. He didn't do it on purpose. It was a bonehead move. Right. Sure, it was a bonehead move. I'm pissed. He takes me out of a great year, and uh, I'm pissed. But that's all it was. I I, I don't have any problem with Bowen. Right. I, I'd, uh, eat, I'd eat dinner with Bowen today. That was all blown out of yeah, it hype. Was, it was big in the uh, in the magazines for sure. Uh, that's all that was. That was nothing. I wasn't. Bowen called me that night that he did it and said he was sorry. And I, I got I got no problem with you, Bowen. Right. Everything else was. You know, bullshit blown out. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the interesting thing about '83, uh, you didn't win any titles. But I talked to Bob Oliver. I've talked to John R. Talked to Rick Ash. Talked. I did one of these with Dave Arnold. That was awesome. And they all say Hannah was the fastest guy that year. <laughs> Nobody doubts that in '83, you should well, have had a hundred point lead in the Supercross and the 250. Yep. When I got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, you know, in, in uh, Mount Morris that year, I lapped Bailey. Right. So, yeah. yeah, no, everybody said, everybody I talked to was like, dude, if he hadn't gotten hurt, it was over. I mean, you were on a revenge mission, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, That's exactly what it was. How much better was that Honda? I mean, if you could quantify oh, it. If you could I said many times, if you can't win on a factory Honda, you need to quit. <laughs> and, and that is the truth. That, that bike was unbelievable, you know, and I'd been on that Yamaha were just not caring anymore. That's why I said it was the best thing I could have ever done for Yamahas to mm-hmm. leave because they had to understand, well, I think he was right. We need to get back on it, and they did. Yep. And uh, But that Honda was bitching. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. No, I loved it. Lower tank and everything. You didn't oh, run a rear disc, though. I loved it. You ran a, re- a rear drum brake. The other guys ran discs, but I finally went to disc. But it yeah. takes me a while. I did not like killing the engine with that disc. It didn't have enough feel for me. And I yeah. like a really, really. I like a really powerful front. Mm-hmm. So I like the disc on the front. But uh, I like the feel of a disc. I don't use a lot of rear. I use mostly front. 
you uh, you have any regrets about that year again? Hurt? What, was it was it Daytona? You know, hindsight is everything. Yeah, I that was Bob Hanna the way I did it, and yes. Lunas should have been a little smarter, and so should I. Mm -hmm. We should have backed it down a little bit because we could ride nine-tenths, eight-tenths, and kill everybody anyway. So why be an idiot? But that was my attitude, you know. And and when I got hurt, I was jumping something that was totally stupid in practice before. Just no reason. Nobody ever jumped it. So why do I try? Because Lunas thinks I should. And I said, okay, we'll just do it, you know, just Right, right. Really dumb. And so, yeah, I should have backed it down a little bit, but I didn't, you know. Uh, And so what do you do? (laughs) Yeah, exactly, I guess. You know, I talked to uh, Bailey and O'Mara, and they both say that when you joined the team, you scared the shit out of them. You you were kind of mean, like you were real, (laughs) real... Real abrasive, kind of laid it all, like you know, the, kind of the way your your personality is. But was part of that because those guys were? I mean, you were like, hey, I got to beat these kids. I mean, was it part of that an act or were you? It's all you know. If anybody really knows me, mm-hmm. the whole abrasive thing is because I like it. Right, right. <laughs> I like it. I'd be a, I, I'd be a liar if I said I didn't like it. That's me. I like yeah. it. I like being an asshole sometimes. It makes attention. Uh, I am in business. Very straight to the point, to the point of too straight to the point, because right. most people in this world want politically correct bullshit. And right. to be frank, I hate politically correct bullshit in politics or business or talking to you magazine guy or anything else. Mm-hmm. Straight to the point, straight to the truth, straight to the shit. But most people in this world, unfortunately, can't take the straight shit. Mm-hmm. And... That's all I like. But, you know, I talk straight shit the way I see it. Maybe it's right. Maybe it's wrong. Eight people like it. Two people don't. Right. They can screw off. I don't care. I'm not here to make try to make everybody my friend. Yeah. I never have been. I'm not in business today. My partner called me yesterday, this morning, and this is kind of uncommon because I'm not intentionally mean to people in business. Mm-hmm. But I, I talked to a guy yesterday that called me. That he was irritating me on the phone last night. I'm tired. He calls me late. He's talking to me about a plane. He wants a plane. He wants a he wants a Super Cub or a Scout or a Husky, he says. And I'm thinking, well, you dumbass, we don't deal in two of those, but we deal in one. Right. And then he goes, well, I only want a $50,000 one. I go, well, you can't buy a fifty. I mean, there are none. The first, you can't buy a Husky for 50000 And anything else you buy for 50000 is a piece of shit. So you really need to spend a little more money to get a good one. And pissed this guy off. So he called my partner this morning and said I was a condescending asshole <laughs> and he wouldn't buy a plane from me if I was the last guy in the world. Good job. Good, good job, Hurricane. <laughs> my partner goes, what the hell are you saying to this guy? And I said, you know, I hurt his feelings. Right. I told him 50 grand's not going to buy shit. He needs to put some more money in it because you're going to buy a piece of shit. You don't want to buy a piece of shit. I was telling him the truth, but I hurt his feelings. Now the dumbass is buying a plane. Hopefully he doesn't hear this because if your dumbass is buying a plane off of us anyway, huh? you know, yeah. but he's buying it from my partner. Um, yeah. And he's paying more money like I told him he'd have to, right? <laughs> I would think But I'm... the trouble is my abrasive way pisses some people off. But in a, to be frank with you, I like it. Right, right. I like being a little bit of a jerk. No, when I was at Honda with David and O'Mara, I loved those two. Yeah. They're like kids. They were seven years younger than me or eight or something. Yeah. And, and they keep you young. And, yeah, I'm sure I'm like grandpa to them. And 
I'm sure, and I was rough. I was hard on him, but I was good to him. And I'll never say I was bad to him or nasty to him or run into him or no, any no, of that, yeah. I don't think. No. No, and I would help did. him in any way, but abrasive and not a kid. Yep. Yeah, I was very serious about what I'm doing. Tell the straight shit, and uh, that's rough on those kids. They don't really want to hear it like that. They want it sugar-coated, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, that. But I love that. I mean, that's just me. I actually like to see people get, uh, I like Iser knows, you know, I drop an F-bomb every once in a while. I love, in certain cases, to drop an F-bomb or something worse just to get somebody's attention, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I and I like it. I mean, some people will just go, look at me and go, oh, my God, what's this? this guy's crazy. And that's all right to have somebody think you're a little crazy in that sport, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or think- even in business sometimes. It just Sometimes it needs to be said. I would think an airplane, that's the way I feel. Anyway. I would think an airplane would be one one where one place where I wouldn't want to skimp. No, <laughs> I don't know. That's just no. me. That's yeah, just I me. am a really, really, really opinionated on airplanes and people skimping. I really do. I think you know what? You can't afford a good one. Don't do it. Yeah. And I and I'm firmly believe that. But if you're selling them, sometimes you got to tell the guy what he wants to hear. Oh yeah, we can find you a fifty thousand dollar piece of shit. The wings will fall off, no problem. What do you want? You know what color you want? When's the last time you flew commercial? I only do once a year. I, I usually go to Indy once a year. Oh, do you, oh, you do go commercial then? But yeah. Only because it's just usually horrid there in a horrid weather. But I hate commercial. Yeah. God, I can't imagine you on a commercial plane. You're just like, what's this guy doing? I'm not sitting oh, no, here. I, I, I'm yeah. like a caged cat. Yeah. When I can't stand it. Nothing to do with the pilots. No. I just can't yeah. stand sitting in there with them. So when they tell you that they have a cell phone monitor and they can see that someone's on their cell phone, do you want to just strangle the lady? <laughs> have you ever heard that one? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so no, Bailey Bailey basically said like that you scared them and w- when they asked you for advice you you know you'd be like yeah, just ride more or just exercise more and like they're like okay, all right, sorry Mr. Hannah, sorry to bug you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just they wanted to learn from you and but you didn't want to I mean, they wanted to believe that it was more than just ride your balls off, you know, but that's really all you had. Yeah, that's all I had. Both those guys had a lot of talent, right. and all they had to do is figure out that they did have a lot of talent and then start doing some training, and both of them did. Yeah. And uh, both of them really changed you know, changed themselves. I would have said up until then, I'd say fairly late, you know, mm-hmm. somewhat lazy. And after that, real Nazi trainers, and Johnny O'Mara especially. Yep. Uh, Johnny O'Mara totally ch- turned himself around to be a Nazi trainer and realized, hey, if you're going to be serious about something to be serious about, just like his bicycle riding, you wouldn't want to go with him right now because he's an animal. And uh, they were just young, and ev- we're all young. And at 27, you're a lot different than you are at 17. You know, mm-hmm. it's hard to get a 17-year-old to think like a 27. You can't. Right. right. You can't. you got to hope he f- you know, figures it out by the time he's 19 before he's done. And uh, it's just the way it is. Uh, I talked to Dave Arnold for one of these. I actually did a two-parter with him. And uh, what a memory on that guy, by the way. Oh, he does. Good I know. I, I've, yeah. I've heard him talk about He does remember it a lot. Uh, uh, anyways, he told me that uh, 83, you know, they needed Bailey to win the Grand National title. Yeah. And, and <laughs> Millville, you pull over, and they're like, hey, Bob, could you just pull over for him? And, you're just, and, and first of all, you're like, nope. And then you're like, please. And they're like, all right. And then, but then you made such a spectacle of it. Arnold's like, <laughs> he's like, that was Bob. He wanted everybody to know that he was the fastest guy 
on well, that Well, I didn't let anybody see, but I led to the last bloody yeah. lap, and when I spun it around, I did it in the back of the track, but they, everybody knew what was going on. Yeah, know? yeah, no. When I'm 30 seconds out front or 40, and all of a sudden Bailey comes around, and here I am behind him, something's funny. Right, and then I think he said that you made him pay the win bonus, too? That trouble is, they didn't do it. Oh, they didn't. They never did it? Oh. No, they screwed me out of it, and, and Arnold today thinks... Well, they thought he thought they did it, but the Japanese didn't. They told yeah. me to screw off, and it just doesn't really make sense. I should have talked to Bailey about it in those days. Yeah, I was a little pissed off about. It. I mean, it's ten grand. Ten grand was ten grand in those days, and and I'm thinking, uh, hey, David, obviously you weren't going to win the race, and why did you accept the bonus when you know I should get it? You know. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Well, yeah, but Honda, the yeah. Jap says ah, that's how we do business around here. If we you go that, we're going to pay David, and I go. Well, we had a cussing match. That too. That was a whole other story about in Honda. A lot of people looking over the cubicles that day because I told him he could jam it up his whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Jam his uh, <laughs> company policy right up his ass because you know that's what he said. It was company policy. Right. Jeez. Um, um, yeah. He he just he had a, we had a good laugh over that about uh, about that. And then some the rumor again a Hannah Hannah Urban legend. Is that you? Uh, you rode off into the woods and didn't come out for an hour. That was that was Brock Glover's deal. What? Oh. When I rode off. Oh, in the seven. Oh, let Brock buy. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. I'm getting I'm getting my Hannah. Yeah, getting my Hannah yeah, and Glover deal. I rode off. I, I was pissed about that deal. Yeah, and that's, so that's I true. I knew nothing about it until they wrote it on the board. Nothing. Nobody had right. talked about squat because they didn't even think I was going to win that day. Yeah. So oh, so that's true then. You did oh, that. that's true. <laughs> Just gone. I had to because I wanted to kill somebody. Right, right. Um, Figure yeah. out, give it a while. Poor Danny Laporte. Yeah. Uh, um, hey, uh, uh, so Honda. Danny, though, Danny could have solved it by riding a little better uh, himself. You know. Yeah, true. Good if point, Danny right? would have been out front, none of that shit could have happened. He didn't need to get out of get on it. Really. It's funny, but you know, I was friends with him. But shit, you can control your destiny there. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Don't let Glover or Hannah buy. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, Funny how that that legend is just there, you know, and it's it's. I'm sure Glover is just tired of hearing about it. Already. Oh hell, he hates it. <laughs> he hates it. Uh, so Honda eighty three, eighty four, eighty five, lots of wins, uh, no titles, but uh, yeah, always some. I always broke something. I was getting fragile, you know. Right. What what uh, I know you hit a fence in Daytona eighty four. Somebody leaned out on it. Really. Oh. I had a line right by the edge of the fence, nice, smooth line, yeah. leading, no problem. I won it in 83, won it in 85, should have won it in 84. But yeah. so these kids leaned out on the damn chain link fence, caught my brake lever. I never saw them bow it out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just threw my ass down, broke my ankle, and screwed up a wrist right there to just slam me in fourth gear. You know, I never even knew what hit me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, real, uh, real like in a in a motocross bench race session. The the question is, what if Hannah hadn't gotten hurt at Honda years? You know, what if? Because I'd have made a fortune. That's what if. <laughs> well, yeah, but not the people arguing it. But uh, you know, all their titles, you could have won. There's no doubt about it. Oh, lots of titles, yeah. And, and uh, but that's that's what if. Yeah, you know. That's a lot of what if, what if uh, David wouldn't have got hurt? Yeah, what, how yeah. many titles would he had? I mean, good point. You're right. Like I said, anybody that walks out should laugh. Um, you got a hundred grand in the bank, a million bucks in the bank, just laugh. Hey, where does uh, where does Ronnie Lachine rank on your list of guys that you know maybe big wait? talent? You know, yeah. I like Ronnie. I've always liked Ronnie. Never lied to a guy in his life. Yeah, uh, Ronnie's a great guy, big talent. Unfortunately. 
just hanging around the wrong guys, you know. Yeah, yeah, it, and that's all. You, and, and that happens a lot. Did you try and, to Did you try to work with him or talk to him, or was he just? No, 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 I didn't know him in that fashion, you know. Right, right, right. But his mechanics did, and he knows now. But yep. But what do you do? Yeah, no, I, I just again looking through some magazines, I saw you. You said motocross it, guys <laughs> in general are not brain surgeons. We're not doctors. No. We're idiot kids come out from under a rock from somewhere. And you got to have a little bit of a brain for yourself. And, you know, like for, for myself, for me, I said the only smart thing I ever did, I had enough brains to take advantage of a situation that I had in my hand at that time. Right. Okay? Yeah, I had at least that amount of brain. <laughs> Wasn't that smart, but knew, hey, That's something. Yeah. I got a factory ride here. I got 12 months to prove it. I'll be working at McDonald's or back welding if I don't do it. Yeah. And I don't like welding, and I don't like working for people. So guess what? I had big motivation. Uh-huh. Now, by the time Ryan Lachine was riding, I don't think he ever had a job in his life. Yeah, I doubt it. So from then on, None of these riders ever had a job in their life. So they don't know how the real world is, and the real world's tough, and the real world's shitty, and they don't pay you much, and the damn guy, you have a boss over you. I don't like it. I knew about it. Mm-hmm. Okay? I don't like working for anybody. I work for myself. When I want to go to work, I go to work. When I want to leave for a week, I leave. Right. And that's what I like. And I knew I could have that. And Ronnie didn't have anything to compare it with. He thought life was a big party. <laughs> and everything's going to be a big party, and you're going to have lots of money forever. But that's not the truth. And there's a lot of lot of those guys out there. Yeah. No, absolutely. Hey, when you retired, though, did you have enough? Obviously, did you not have enough to live on? Yeah, but I'm not the type that I, I don't like sitting around. Yeah. You know how much I love my office? I'm in here. I look forward to getting up every morning. Right. At nine, at nine, I'm on the email in the morning. I'm in my office at nine o'clock. I got a conference call going on with partners, and uh, or my one main partner at least. At nine every day we talk. We probably talk. He just called me while you were calling. I don't know if you right when we were talking. It just a minute ago, my cell phone's going off. Uh-huh. He wants my ass right now. <laughs> but uh, every morning I look look forward oh. to getting up, yeah. looking at that email, talking to him, and seeing what we're going to do that day. Cool. And so I don't, I don't like sitting around. I either want to work, I want to go ride my bicycle. Now I'll leave and go to and go down to California and ride for five days, and I'll love every minute of it. And I don't, I don't even. I just call in. I let him do the work. You know, I say, hey, are you making me any money today, asshole? You know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's me. But when I get back, we get after it. He wants to go to Hawaii. He goes to Hawaii. I don't care if he goes to Hawaii a month. Right. He sold an airplane on the beach there last year, and uh, he never left the beach. He's on a cell phone. You know. Perfect. Yeah. So nowadays you don't need to be anywhere. The damn phones, we get our email off, the text message off, the phone off of there. Yeah. We can sell an airplane and do the whole contract on a phone. Yeah, no, exactly. You know? um, but no, I, I'm not much for sitting around. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, so end at 85, you're done at Honda. Uh, you go to Suzuki. Um, well, I was quitting. Oh, you were? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was quitting, and on the way home, uh, one of the guys from Suzuki goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm done, man. Yeah. And they go, really? And it was the next morning, Monday morning, Shigenoya called me, who knew me well from Suzuki, mm-hmm. uh, said, hey, would you like to come over here and do some testing? You don't really have to race. We'd like you to do some testing on our bikes and, and just be a test rider and go to Japan and, and uh, head up that, you know. And mm-hmm. I said, 
yeah, I might do that. And I go, I go, call me in 30 days, and, and I'll figure it out. And he goes, no, no, I want to be, uh, I want to know tomorrow morning. Wow. In fact, I want you to come down here and sign this tomorrow morning. I go, yeah. Come on, man. I want to go on a vacation. I'm going to to uh, Nevada to Lake Mead, right? Yeah. He goes, I know you got a plane. Fly in here, see me tomorrow morning. Then you go to Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, all right. So I go do that, and I, I start testing because I really didn't want to sit around then either. And so, they pay me good money. So. Yeah, yeah. there's a three-year deal, pretty good money. Yeah, and then so I ended up doing that for like five years, but then I ended up having to race. Shoot, I raced ten races a year just to test stuff, you know, mm-hmm. just to go, you know what, I like this track, I'll go here. I like this one. I went to French Grand Prix. I went to Paris Supercross. I went to some nationals over here, yep. Unadilla, you know. Oh, so the plan was never to race full-time. Never. I wasn't oh. supposed to race. See, I'm, I'm just a fan reading the magazines, and it was like, oh, man, Hannah's really lost it, but... You, no, no, you were I never going to race, and yeah, then yeah. I decided to race ten year, ten races a year, mm-hmm. uh, and make them all pay me if I did go. <laughs> so I got start money everywhere I went. Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't go anyway. Yeah. And how bad was that bike, the '86? Oh, horrid! <laughs> Absolutely the worst piece of shit I ever rode. I know. Uh, they let it go. Can you imagine from '81 having the best bike? 86 having the worst bike, and that cycles. You know, that's where mm-hmm. Yamaha was in '82. Right. And it just cycles. So uh, the rumor that I heard was the 89 RMs were really, you had a lot to do with them, and they wanted to release them earlier, but for whatever reason they couldn't. So they had to stick with the blue motor, uh, crappy-ass bikes. Is that true? Yeah. 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 Uh, But you still won a a USGP when Omera ran out of gas, although you should have won the year before. So yeah. it, it, that's right. That's you're right there. I should have won the year before, and he won, and and yeah. I shouldn't have won that year. He yeah. he did. Yeah, and then uh, did you win the French Grand Prix? Uh, no, I got second because oh, okay. I crashed the first moto. I won the second moto, but I crashed. Yeah, and, and I uh, had to come from last with no grip on one handlebar, and it was ugly. I should have won the damn thing. Yeah, yeah. I won the Paris Supercross that year, and mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know what all. You know, like I like I say. When we look back, you say, oh, shit, I got robbed here, whatever, and back to the old thing. If you walk out, you're good. But yeah. I should have won the last two damn races. Uh, Southwick and and, uh, and uh, Unadilla were my last two. I said, I'm going to ride Southwick National. I'm going to ride Unadilla. And I was in perfect shape. Yeah. Would have won Southwick. Wardy knocked me off. I shouldn't have even been battled. I could have won it easy. I was trying to get by Wardy in too big a hurry, and he swapped into me and knocked me off. Uh-huh. And Unadilla, Ward Robinson, made the da- bladed the track. <laughs> and when he bladed the track, I asked him, because he's the one that wanted me to go there anyway. He loved having me right. there to, for a draw. And I go, Ward, you just stole this race from me. Should've I go, it. what in the hell were you thinking when you flattened this track out? Right. Uh, because the only thing that will save my ass is to run these guys into the ground inch at the end of the race, because mm-hmm. I can't beat them in speed on a flat track. You just killed me. And he just, so he just took that from me. <laughs> I so, was so pissed this when been, I saw the track. This because been usually go out huh? there and it's already rough. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then we make it rougher, you know. Yeah. And when I went out there, I, I couldn't believe my. I just said, well, he just ruined my last race. <laughs> uh, and I told McAndrews, and, and McAndrews couldn't believe it either. He just said, I, I don't believe it. I go, I can't beat these guys on this flat track. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. That's uh, kind of the way it is. That's the story, but... Unadilla or Southwick for a favorite track ever? Unadilla. Unadilla, yeah. Yeah. Unadilla on a good day is something to 
yeah. <laughs> for the history books. In 77, 6, 7, 8, 9, riding with the Coster and the Trans Ams there, that place was wicked. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I was a mechanic for 11 years, and going to Unadilla, although it was, you know, the worst. It ruined it. Once they started racing on it more than once a year, it was junk. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I was surprised. But the ground really wasn't that good. It needed to be seeded and watered and, and cultivated right. And if you once you raced it more than once a year, it was it would have been a horrid track, matter mm-hmm. of fact. Uh-huh. I mean, a horrid piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of bummed out. Horrid. I was bummed the first time I went there because I'm like, this is Unadilla? You know, some Canadian no, kid? No, you know, so. You look there at 78 Trans Am, and yeah. that's the finest track the state's ever had. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was young. Um, how much time you got? You got a little bit more? I don't give a shit what we're doing. I'm just got to call my partner and get back to work. You're just keeping me <laughs> uh, so I don't have to deal with anything. Yeah, exactly. Bill Davy Coombs. Then Bill Davy Coombs for the lost income. Yeah, I will. <laughs> uh, um, so how much? How frustrating was it for you at Suzuki, like as far as the, getting the bike better? Uh, were they listening forward. to you? Were they listening to you or no? Yes, 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 yes. But. Oh no, I, I had good guys. I had good engineers. Uh, mm-hmm. In Japan, I worked with 18 or 20 different guys at the time, right. and uh, that was good. And I liked all those guys. I liked all the Japanese guys, and I had a good guy that had a Suzuki in the U.S. Shigenoi was a friend of mine. And, uh, no, that was good. But the bike was horrid. I remember, just for example, I don't know, it, could, it was probably 86, could have been 87. I'm in a test track by Mount Fuji over there, and mm-hmm. I swapped this bitch from fourth gear to a stop. <laughs> it, it was trying to throw me off. It just swapped, 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 and I just, I just stopped. I, I just came to a rolling. Uh, you know, I just started rolling. I was, I, I must have been going two miles an hour when it quit swapping, and I cussed myself. And I said, Hannah, you got to get a new job. <laughs> and I cussed myself. And then the next day, everything was better. You know, I, I, right. I got over. It. But I was so pissed. Yeah. One of my, <laughs> and then the next day was all right. You one, know, of my, I go. one of my favorite stories is from Ross Maeda, Florida Winter Ams. You know, you always went to Florida. And yeah. uh, Florida Winter Ams, there's some guy in a KTM hauling ass in the sand, and you're just like, man, this guy's pretty good. And, and Ross is like, yeah, he's that's Keith Vandervin. He's a <laughs> world champion Dutch rider, you know, who grew up in the sand. And you're like, all right. <laughs> and, and he said, he said, you know, we're at this piss-ass local race. And Hannah is there, and he is just killing himself to beat this guy. Uh, he just would not lose to this European Dutch rider. <laughs> you remember that day? Yeah, I do. Yeah, he yeah. he said that one of the, all the races he's ever seen, Supercross, Motocross. You you, you know Ross Maeda; he's been around a hundred years. Oh, I know. And he said that that one sticks in his mind because that was the one where you know there's 500 people there, and there's no money. We're racing for nothing but ego. Yep. Yeah, nothing but and ego. That's all I ever raced. Yeah, and he I said, never raced for money at the track. He said Hannah would, was killing himself to beat this guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Motocross the Nations, 87. You ride a 125. Uh, poor Mickey Diamond. Still, he didn't. He probably, you know, probably still bitter about not going. But you, was he supposed to? Well, he won the 125 title that year. So. Oh, well, he should have. <laughs> well, he, he should have. You know, Ward Robinson again at Unadilla vied for me, and the yep. AMA wanted me in there, and, and everybody wanted me in there. And I said, why? I didn't even want to go. And even Suzuki, I said, Suzuki, when they got contacted, you know, they said, we want you to go. I go, I don't want to go there on a 125. Are you nuts? Yeah, yeah. So and they said, we want you to win, lose, or draw. And I go, all right. So I, t- I said, here's the way it'll be. 
You'll give me two works bikes. We're going to bring two good bikes in here. You're going to give me two mechanics. One's going to my house right now, and I'm not coming out for a month. Don't even call me. And and Randy can prep the race bike. And I go, that's the only way I'm going. He said, yeah. done. I said, see ya. And I, I got, I remember uh, 21 days before that event, 21 days. Now, Roger was pissed off, and Wardy and well, that, Johnson yeah. were pissed off that I didn't come in their little training camp, but it was all an ego deal. Uh, I said, I'll be ready. I know how to get ready for a race, Roger. Just leave my ass alone. I'll be there, and I'll yeah. do the job. Uh, so I got 21 days of riding straight and running a 12-mile course in, in uh, Ketchum at 8,000-foot altitude, okay, 21 days straight. Really? And so uh, that's what I needed to do. I know how to get ready for one. I didn't need to be down there in a friggin' Jeff Ford, Ricky Johnson bullshitting training camp, you know? Right. Well, that's what the, I was going to ask you. There were, no, there were some bad feelings there because I'm right. not the team member. I'm not a team <laughs> player. You know, kiss my ass. The way that we're going to win that race is to go win that race with three riders. And, and I know how to do my job. I don't need to be told how to do my job at 30 friggin' one years old, okay? So... You're not training Johnny O'Mara and David Bailey when they're 18, getting them ready for the trophy race. I mean, it's a different era. Yeah. How much pressure were you under, though, huh? Big, because I was a scapegoat. Right, right. Everybody... I shouldn't have been there on it. You know, Mickey Diamond should have been there on it. Or Jeff Ward should have been there on it, and I should have been riding the 250. Yeah, okay? Wardy said no way to the 125, right? Wardy said screw off. I, I asked him, and I, everybody else asked him. I go, what are you going to put me on a 125 for? We're going to lose. <laughs> I'm you know, 31. Plus, your bike sucks. <laughs> yeah, but my bike was pretty good. I oh, had a was good it? bike. I yeah. can't gripe about that. Yeah, it was. So it was a, a more of a works bike. Not damn right, it was. It was a good one, and, yeah. and Suzuki's works bike at that time. That bike was fine. Right, right, right. So it was the production stuff that was having trouble. Uh, uh, and then the rains came, and oh boy, and uh, that gave the Europeans a big advantage because they're better in the mud than we are. Yeah. You know, I like the mud, but I'm not a European, and the Europeans are very, very good in the mud. So, you know, it was a ter- terrible, tough day for my, yeah. for me, yeah. for my ass. One, one, four. I think you went, or two, four, or I forget what your motor scores were, but um, you were. Yeah, I think I got. Uh, I think you got the overall, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But the 500s were pounding me, man. It took me like three tries to get up that screw you because every time I'm going up, one of the idiots would hit me, and I'd have to go to the bottom. <laughs> so I started very, very far back yeah. in the 500-125 moto. I mean, I rode my ass off. Uh, yeah, no, uh, um, it sounds like a, a hell of a race. I wish I would have been there. And again... You know, talk but about- I was set up to be a scapegoat. It came out all right, but when it was over, I was glad. And, and I was, it was just going to be set up that I lost for everybody. I wasn't a team player the whole deal, you know. Right. So you're saying. I wasn't very appreciative of any of the language that came around on that. So you're saying for 21 days straight, you motoed. And really, 21, well, more than that, but 21 days straight in, in Ketchum, 21, right. I never missed one of those runs on that my favorite run yep. or riding. No. Wow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, Rich Taylor told me about this place that you, you had that was 8,000 feet or 10,000 feet up there, and he said it's just uh, you would just be the king of it up there. Um, oh, our track at that high, too. Yeah, that was brutal. Yeah, and, uh, well, I guess, I mean, Rich was telling me that, you know, if you a B rider probably couldn't even ride around it, and he wasn't exaggerating. He wouldn't even get around it. Yeah, and then Kyle Lewis told me he, he knows some of your old haunts in Bean Canyon, and he said those are ridiculous, those, those little goat trails he used to ride on up there. Yeah, that's a good deal, too. Yeah, crazy stuff. Um, I'm interested, when you went to the Disnations in the late 70s, uh, when you really were the man in America, how did those go for you? Good. Yeah? 
Yeah, 76 didn't because we weren't good enough to beat them over there. I, mm-hmm. I think I got 10th every time, you know. Right, right. And uh, 78, I battled with Heike for the lead and uh, and battled for the lead in the 250 class also. Okay. As a matter of fact, I would have won the 250 class, but Roger knocked the shit out of me. <laughs> blocking for Harry Everett's, okay? Yeah. Yeah. And cheating, they cheated on top of that. They cheated on the start, which later I found out. Well, I knew it was a fact then, but later I talked to the president of the Be- uh, Belgian Federation, who became my friend, mm-hmm. and he admitted it, you know. Oh, he wow. said, yeah, now I'm your friend, and I'll cheat for you. <laughs> 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 they cheated on the start, got Harry Fr- Everett's out there, and Roger blocked his shit out of me the whole time, you know. You know, I went to the Motocross Nations in 03 as Ferry's mechanic, and I'm pretty sure Belgium cheated there, too. They will. Uh, Absolutely. I can't really prove Absolutely. it. I can't prove it, but I'm pretty sure. They, they had the gate set up uh, to cheat with Everett's. Everett's went out last, and they had it all set up to drop the gate when he had third gear roll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, I knew that because I saw it happen. And then years later, I got to be really good friends with Brunel. I mean, yeah. like a father to me. And uh, and we laughed about it because he said, hell yeah, we cheated, and I'd cheat for you now. Yeah. You know, that was country. Yeah, that's what they do. How close did you ever come to doing the GPs, even later on? Did you ever want to only, do it? I was only going to do them the year that I couldn't get to ride with Honda. Oh, okay, A3. Yeah. yeah. Because than... I really don't like it over there. All right. Um, hey, how'd you get along with the media in, in your time? Did you ever have any, any, any battles with any guys? I don't think big. You know, a couple of them for blackmailing me, you know. I remember uh, one time for Frank, frankly, that a guy, I don't know, I won't even mention his name. One guy blackmailed me, said if you don't... He wanted me to go to the trophy race again. You know, I mm-hmm. went 76, 78, 87. I think probably it was 79, I think. They want, he wanted me to go again on the team. I said, I'm not going again. And they blackmailed me and said, if you don't go, we'll ruin you and shit like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think I had a few times where maybe I was snotty to them or they were snotty to me, and they said, we won't write about you. And I said, well, you can write about second place and whatever you want to do, you know. <laughs> but I had, I mean, everybody has their issues with somebody at some time because yeah. they catch a guy that day, he's in a pissy mood, and they get pissed. Yeah, like Josh. They're Hansen. pissy or I'm pissy or nowadays guys being pissy. Nowadays, I guess the guys won't even hardly do interviews with the guys, you know. Yeah, Hanson won't talk to me. I've permanently burned a bridge with him, so I'm, I feel you. Oh, oh well, that that shit happens. Yeah, yeah. maybe you get it fixed up, or yeah, who knows? Uh, hey, HRP. Uh, people forget you. You had one of the first chest protectors over top of the body. One of the plastic cell, you know, away from the body. Uh-huh. Um, talk about developing that a little bit. And, and was it your idea? It was ba- basically maybe Scott Boyer's and Dick Kreider's idea. Probably I don't remember how mm-hmm. avid I was. And I, I like that chest protector, yeah, because I designed one for Gregory, you know, yep. earlier than that. And I like him on the outside. And the first one I designed was right in Finland. John Gregory and I were right there at, at uh, Yoko, and uh, we brought two of them home. I think actually we brought four home, two for me and two for Marty Smith. And if you'll see it, I, re- I wrote it in Trans Am in 1978. Mm-hmm. And that's the first one, really. Um, and did you did you make any money at HRP doing it? No, I never drew I never drew salary out of it. Basically, no. they they made money and then they just ran it into ground and when we closed it. Yeah. And uh, plastic stands too, Hurricane. You were one of the first. Yeah. Yeah. Now Terry runs Hannah Racing Products. Uh, nothing to do with HRP, but Hannah right. Racing Products she owns. Yeah. And, yeah, your chest protector. Uh, she still- has stuff, you know, on it right now. So your chest protector still lives on. The HRP. Yeah, that's with HRP. Right, right. Yeah, it's still yeah. still out there and everything. There's yeah. there's another legacy you probably never thought you'd have. 
Uh, hey, uh, what do you remember about the 84 Calgary Supercross? I was there as a little kid. You signed my O'Neill hat. I still have it. I don't. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, you beat the rollerball that night somehow. Did, did I? I don't know how. He must have crashed. Thank you. Yes, he did. Yeah. Uh, Somebody probably knocked the rollerball off. <laughs> uh, there's no way I'd beat him in his hometown. Thank you. Thank you. Um, f- uh, r- most talented rider you saw that, that didn't get the – didn't get the most out of his talents. Somebody that you were like, hey, I mean, we talked to Ronald Lachine earlier, but is that it? Or is there somebody else that you were just like, man, if this guy would have, you know, half my work ethic, he would, he would, you know, do miracle things. Anybody? Oh, shit. There's lots of them because yeah. there were, there's a lot, I mean, I'd have to really think, but lots and lots of guys didn't go to their potential. Who knows if any of us ever went to our potential? But uh, you got like Mickey Diamond, big potential. Right. Ryan Lachine's probably the biggest. Ronnie's the finest rider I've ever seen for smooth, accurate, very good braking, mm-hmm. hit a line. He was the finest. I mean, he's like Jean-Michel Bale. Jean-Michel Bale was wonderful, too. Right. But, uh, shoot, lots and lots of guys. You know, guys that – basically the guys that made it. Roger DeCoster wasn't a guy that had Ronnie Lachine talent. Mm-hmm. Jeff Stanton wasn't Ronnie Lachine talent. Ricky Johnson wasn't Ronnie Lachine. The reason Rick Johnson was is tenacity and heart. Mm-hmm. The reason Jeff Stanton was champion is tenacity and heart. Jeff Stanton was a shitbox rider, uh, <laughs> stiff, crappy motocrosser, and learned to work around it and do training and bulldog that bike, basically bulldog that bike. He didn't have one-tenth of Ronnie Lachine's talent. He had the tenacity and the heart and the will to say, you know what, I'm not working at McDonald's either, and I can beat these guys, and he had enough brains to figure out how to do it. Right, right. But the guys that come easy to, Bradshaws, yep. uh, racing mini bikes, people having ha- shit handed to them all the time, that's tough, it's tough on that guy. Like I said, the guys after me, didn't know they didn't, have a, they didn't know about having a job. Yeah. Okay, that makes it difficult because they can't compare the real world yeah. to the racing world. Now, guys like Johnson... Uh, and Stanton or Harch, or they win at whatever they're doing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. They win at what they'll win whatever they do ever. Yeah, you know. Huh. And the guys, it's really, uh, it is a bad deal to have life easy at a young age. If I would have had, oh, there was a guy named Scott Gilman. You'd have never heard of him. He had a factory ride with Suzuki in eighty nineteen eighty, I mm-hmm. think. He had a very, very rich father. If I would have had a very, very... I used to look at him and go, wow, he's got it made. This guy's got it made. He lives in a big house. He's got his own bikes, his own track. His dad takes care of... He's got it made. And in those days, I thought he did. And then later, I learned that, no, that ruined him. Right. That that ruined him. If I would have had that, I would have been a piece of shit. I would have never, ever had the attitude I have today. Never. Right, right. Huh. I didn't have it is what made me. And I look back and go, thank God my father wasn't rich. <laughs> because I was lazy enough to take advantage of it. No doubt about it. We all have that laziness in us if, if it's found. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, yeah and what so. makes guys work hard is because they've seen they don't have it. They don't have anything and they're not going to have anything unless they get their dead ass. <laughs> to work. <laughs> to go to work. No, uh, and that's plain and simple. If, yeah. if you have it easy, you're just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. 
you get that, and they got the problem now paying these guys too much money too early. You pay the son of a bitches after they win. Yeah. And if you pay them after they win, you're going to have some riders. You want to pay them up front, guess what? You're going to screw the pooch because they're going to be pieces of shit. And that's human nature. Not anything but human nature. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're true. You're right. Um, you give a guy a million dollars at 16, what the hell is he going to do? We are going to buy cars, smoke dope, and play with the girls. What the hell else would you do at 16? <laughs> yeah, it sounds awesome, right? That's what I would do at 16. <laughs> right. They didn't pay me that at 19 years old. I got 12 grand at 19 years old. Okay, you're not going to do do much. Uh, you're not going to smoke much dope with 12 grand. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I you want to ruin a guy? Give him enough money. Wow, we went through that in our sport. It's come back around a little bit, but there was a time five, six years ago where oh, it's out of control. They're paying morons 250 grand. Yep. Exactly. Paying morons that shouldn't have been on the track for two hundred fifty grand. No shit. Yeah, uh, that's I'm, a fact. I'm with, and you, you know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, uh, here's another Hannah uh, myth that maybe you can uh, dispel or confirm. When you when McCarty brought you back to to help out with the team, like in the I think it was mid nineties, maybe early nineties. Yeah, uh, you eventually just walked away because you uh, can't deal with it. Was that true? Absolutely. <laughs> you just were like these guys. How do you are... tell a guy? How do you go to a guy? Okay, you ask. You ask for me a guy with talent that ruined it. Yeah. Michael Craig. There you go. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, and and I have no patience for that kind of shit. Yeah, I think Oliver. I love talking to a guy to this day. Uh huh. If he wants to listen, and he if he wants to ask me a question, and he really wants the answer, I love talking to a guy, yeah. and that's about flying. Or riding. It's flying's the same way. I got guys that ask me questions about flying. They really don't want the right answer, and they don't want to listen to it. And I say, you know what? Great. More power to you. I don't feel like teaching somebody that doesn't give a shit or doesn't really want to listen to me anyway. I, I do not like talking to people that don't want to listen to me. I don't want to drive drive my propaganda down your friggin' throat. Well, That's not my goal. Yeah. Well, hopefully, like You want to ask me a question, I'll answer it. You might not like to answer, you know, but I don't mind answering a question if you really want to ask me a question. I don't drive my bullshit down people's throat. Never have. So, Only time people get irritated with me answering questions, they ask me the question. I'm not running it down their throat. Well, hopefully you like podcasts and guys who call you up from Racer X. Uh, if you ask a question, well, you don't mind the answer. I, I don't mind it. I like it. Okay. But so, okay, so it's true. So, like, Wyndham, Craig, those guys, you were just like, hey, I'm Wyndham, there's another one. Yeah. I mean, he's a great rider. I don't know even what he's won now. Yeah. But he's not done one-tenth what he could. Right. He yeah. could have been ten times. He could have been Jeremy McGrath. Mm-hmm. He could have been, Wyndham could have been, should, could have and should have been Jeremy McGrath. Yeah, he's talented. Uh, if he's done good enough and made enough money, more power to him. Yeah. No, That's he has. just not my attitude. He has. There's no doubt about that. Um, okay. Well, yeah, I always wanted to clear that up. I had heard that, I think I, when I was at Yamaha, Bob, Bob Oliver was like, he got tired of people not listening to him and he quit. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, no, I, I, yeah. I can't deal with that. I don't have any any uh, yeah. patience for that. You're like, see you later. I'm going back to Idaho. Absolutely. Well, hey, man, thank you, uh, uh, Hurricane. I'll let you go. I went longer than I said I would. but uh, Anytime. I don't care. Yeah, it's fantastic. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, everybody listening, I'm sure, will love it. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to love to hit you up again. And You got uh, my numbers. Right on. Well, thanks, Hurricane. I don't Hurricane. really care. I'm in, if I'm in this office, uh, sometime you'll have to call me back or I'll have to call you back if I'm out or right. got something going on. But I'm not – I'm doing uh, – mostly I'm sitting around this desk anyway. So Sweet. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, bye-bye. Yeah.
This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show brought to you by Racer X. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like being a dead horse, I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX on the iTunes Store to enjoy these and many more great podcasts.